0: What's up? This is Andy V. Galleon of The Devil in California and Death Angel, and you're listening to Focused on Metal. Turn it up!
1: Hey, Metal Ed, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to episode 301 of Focus on Metal. This week, we continue with what we started last week. That is focusing on the 30th anniversary of Master of Puppets. So if you missed last week's show, I definitely urge you to go back and check that one out with our guest, Joel McGyver and the producer of Master of Puppets, Fleming Rasmussen. We had a couple of great interviews with those guys, and as I said, we're continuing on this week with a guest that we couldn't fit in with the time last week, and that would be former Death Angel drummer Andy V. Galleon, as discussed last week. Originally, we were going to have Michael Wagner come on the show, and now he was all prep, ready to do it, wanted to do it, really excited about doing it, but uh, he's busy recording as usual, and we just couldn't make the time work out. So uh, Richie kind of casts his net around as to another great guest to have, and uh, he thought, why not have Andy from uh, Death Angel? And it kind of hits on two things, the fact that we've never had anyone from Death Angel on the show before, but also, of course, Andy was around when uh, Metallica was coming up back in San Francisco. So a good guy to talk about Metallica and Cliff and the San Francisco scene and all that stuff. So that is what we have in store for you this week. And also, I just want to point out that the artwork this week is contributed by none other than Dario Psycho. Yeah, I hit up Dario a couple weeks ago and asked him about maybe putting together a, uh, a Moment with Psycho segment about Master of Puppets. And like everybody else we've approached about this project, he was all ready to go, really psyched about doing it. But uh, he had a little bit of a conflict happening as well, so he was unable to get all of that together in time. But he did work on his second assignment, that being creating some artwork for episode 300. As I said, time restriction. He wasn't able to get it to me in time to make the 300, so I had to do my own for that one. But uh, he did come up with some great artwork, and we're going to use that for episode 301. So a big shout-out to Dario. Nice to have you back on the show in some way, shape, or form even if it's given us some uh, some cool metal graphics. And, of course, it seems like everybody is in a time crunch these days, and the intention was that Richie was going to come down and do another front end with me for uh, episode 301. But uh, he has, like I said, been crazy busy. Uh, we did manage to, to get out on uh, the anniversary of Cliff's passing there on the 27th. Uh, we uh, managed to get out to uh, hang out with Doro up in uh, Londonderry, New Hampshire. But other than that... He just hasn't been able to break away, but we were going to get together and uh, do another front end for this one and also do a little bit of a discussion about uh, the brand new uh, Matt Taylor book on Master of Puppets called Back to the Front. And, you know, we did mention it a little bit when we were talking to Joel MacGyver on last week's episode, but again, just want to shout out that uh, Matt did a great job on this book. Tons of pictures you probably never saw before, talking with all kinds of people, just a really, really well done book. And really, it's just a narrative of of all the people contributing all different stories and quotes and all that and and, uh, not a lot of uh, other writing from Matt. Except for kind of the narrative around Cliff and uh, his last few days and, and all of that and activity shortly thereafter. But otherwise, just a book of great photos, great memories, and, and just a whole thing about the creation of the album we've been celebrating the last two episodes. That is Metallica's Master of Puppets. So if you have a chance, I really do urge you go out and pick yourself up a copy of Back to the front i don't think uh, as a true metallica fan you will be in any way disappointed so what do you say i roll a little all-star metallica cover version of master of puppets and from there we will go into our talk with andy v galleon
0: Hi, this is Andy. Hi, How's Andy.
2: Going? Hi, it's uh, Richie from Focus on Metal. How are you? Hey,
0: good, good. Sorry, I, uh, I missed you. I no. thought I
2: caught it. No, that's, that's all right, Andy. Good. That's all right. No problem. So, uh, so are you still out in the Bay Area? Oh, yeah. Yep, You're yep. Still, still
0: in Daly City, California.
2: Okay, so
1: I'm here with my co-host Scott. Andy, Andy, uh, good to finally uh, get to talk to you, I've always been a huge admirer of your uh, drumming since way back in the day, so uh, never thought uh, I'd actually be on the line with you, so it's uh, very cool.
0: Oh hey, right on, thank you man, thanks for the support, and you know, I, I love it man, I'm all into it.
1: No
2: problem <laughs> Andy, so before we actually get into talking about Master of Puppets, um, was Leonard Hayes a big influence on your drumming?
0: Oh Yeah. Yeah, big time. Um, He was a big influence, I think, on all the Bay Area drummers coming up at that time because they were, like, even before Metallica, they were one of the first uh, bands that got noticed that were actually from the Bay Area, like, I believe, the South Bay and the East Bay. I think Leonard was from Hayward. But, um, yeah, we heard about them um, early on, um, way early on. Around the same time that we discovered, like I think Y&T used to have a, a Halloween show every year in, in Concord, and it was like Y&T and other bands under them. And at one time, it was uh, Motley Crue came up from LA, so we started to hear about them. But you know, around the same time, um, the, the the other guys like Dennis and Rob, they they already uh, discovered Motorhead, um, No Sleep Till Hammersmith, and then and we started to hear about Metallica like right around the same right around that time like it was a big explosion of all this um, all this heavy music but different stuff and then Andy's
1: signal got really shitty and garbled and we couldn't understand anything he was saying so we'll waiting for the signal to get better let's play some batteries thing i always wanted to, you know to, to let you know and i like i said i figured i'd never actually be talking to you is uh, i i gotta tell you that your drumming on act three has always blown my mind and 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 one of my daughters is actually a drummer as well and and uh, we're driving in the car one day and, and i played act three and then and i told her how old you were when, when you were doing that and she just was like blown away by just even picking up like i was all some of the really small parts you were doing and changeovers and just some of that other stuff that nobody else was really doing. And, uh, so now that I actually got you on the line that I can personally tell you that, that just that drumming on that album was just absolutely mind blowing.
0: Oh, man. Thank you. Um, we were in, uh, in the, in the, man, we had a lot of momentum. Um, we were just had been album tour, album tour. And then for act three, we took a little extra time. Um, to do it because not only because we signed with Geffen, but um, we really, we really knew like just from following Metallica, you know, actually coincidentally enough, the third record, Master of Puppets, we were kind of like, you know, they were are idols and we were kind of chasing Metallica. All the bands were, so it was like, they had Master of Puppets. We were like, dude, we got to do something. <laughs> and then we were like, We, I mean, you know, Testament always was like right there. They always put their album out right before us. So we were kind of, you know, gauging what they were doing too. And we we wanted, we didn't want to do the same thing. And at that time, um, I believe, uh, Mark, Mark brought in, um, sheer heart attack by Queen. Mm. And we really started getting into Queen and we started to like, we started having writing workshops, like every, every guy would be in a different room and then they would write different songs or different, you know, lyrics, whatever. And then we'd get together and we would just try to like, we'd, we'd say, let's try to queen out, like, you know, like have as many different styles, but it'd be metal <laughs> and thrashy at the same time. And just, so it kind of, it kind of just, man, it was a, yeah, it, it worked. It worked great. Cause we it was like we were pushing our abilities as um, musicians and as songwriters at the same time and then it was like at the end of the day we wrote like thirty songs and then, you know, the ten best made the cut. So that's that's really um I think that's that's missing a little bit with um the albums these days because, you know, just how, the way the business is and the time factors, everyone needs to get on the road so quickly, but but you know, at that time, man, it was um, a great time, especially recording down in LA, and you know, Metallica's having parties and they're playing. Different, you know, they're inviting us. Hey, come down to the Rick party or come down to the, the band's playing. And we're just like totally in the mix. But you know, we were kind of reluctant because the, all the poser stuff. But it was just all a, it was all a mismatch back then, and you know, you. You you think you hate one band just because of their music style and how they look, but then you meet them and then you're partying with them and you're like, they're just like us. They play you know hair metal or whatever. So it was it was a big eye opener for us.
2: Yeah. So and Andy, going back to eighty five, eighty six. Um, how well then did you know the Metallica guys, if if at all?
0: Oh, um, we met them early on because um, when they first came up, well, they when they first came up, they played at. Um, I believe the old Waldorf on the metal Mondays and stuff like that. And we were a little, um, we didn't see any of those shows, but, um, a good friend of ours, Bob Gamber, he owned a record exchange up in Walnut Creek. And he had mentioned to us that he's like, dude, you got to come up here and you got to come to this meet and greet. Cause these guys, Metallica are, they're like, they're like what kind of, he said, like, they're like what I could see you guys doing, you know. And we're just because we were still kind of Iron Maiden, Rainbow, and uh, Judas Priest kind of style, getting a little faster because we knew Motorhead, but but you know it wasn't the same. Once we saw Metallica and Armored Saint at um, the Stone and the Keystone Berkeley, we went to both shows. It was just like you know, it was like a, a new style of music, a new Everything just, like, the doors opened up. We, we went to the meet-and-greet, and, greet and um, there was a bunch of people there, but it was funny because we all came in, all five of, you know, Filipino kids, and then they all started cracking up. They all started laughing at us, and Kurt's like, Hey, you Filipino guys. We were like, Yeah, what's up, man? You know, we were just, like, <laughs> wide-eyed going, Hey, we like you guys. Sign that, you know, whatever. And they're just like, Cool, man. Come to the show, blah, blah, blah. And then next time around, because we had been gigging, but after, after we saw those two shows, like a year later, when they came back for Ride the Lightning, they played at the Kabuki Theater, which was much bigger. It's like 25,000, uh, 30,000 theater. And um, we were lucky enough to get those gigs because there's two nights, again, Metallica, Armored Saint, and then they added us. As I didn't think. I don't think they even um, were looking for an opener, but somehow our manager got in contact with them, and then they remembered us. And then, um, like, right after that, um, I mean, Cliff, Cliff was, you know, he was the best. He was the, he was the nicest, most genuine, and most like focused uh, musician that I, I had ever met at the time. And, um, he just took a liking to us and he was just like, dude, you know, I'm, I'm sure he had a say in, in why we got that gig because, um, you know, I don't, I don't, the other guys were, you know, besides Kirk, Kirk was cool with us, but Cliff was the one that really was like, he really liked us. So, yeah, we got those gigs and we played the shows and I swear both, both nights, Cliff was on the side of the stage. He watched the whole set. And he was just like, he was so cool and so nice, man. And um, it was just, man, it was a, it was a great time because, you know, it was all new, but we were just pushing the boundaries of everything because, you know, I mean, it was a different time. <laughs> Everyone was wild. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, Andy, can you remember the first time you heard Master of Puppets? The first time? You heard the album. What did you think uh, of it like? Were you just completely straight away? Was it like, holy shit, this thing is incredible.
0: You know what? It was um, Ride the Lightning had a more like of a shock shock effect since, you know, Fight Fire with Fire's first tune and it's just a smoking opening track. But um, Master was like, I remember my buddy got had the cassette and we used to skateboard all the time. So we'd drive to different spots and he would play it. And then by the time Damage Inc ended and the acoustic intro started again for Battery, it was just like you're just sucked in. Like it, it was almost like um, it was almost like a test. Like you're like listening to it, and every song is different. Every song has different like intricate parts musically, the melodies. And it was such a such a leap from like the other two records that it was like it was um we really got into it because I think there was a more of an element of rush in there and we had been like like listening all all the worlds of stage for like years and years and years before we really got into the thrash so so when master came out it was like because it's Cause the songs are long and the songs are intricate and the songs are, you know, it, it takes, it, you gotta listen to it to, to get to know what's going on. Cause it's not just, you know, there's, the arrangements aren't as, um, just, um, not simplistic, but as basic or as like regular songs, song forms, they are much more to it, much more m- melody and much more, um, technical, um, guitar work and, and stuff. So, Man, it was like it, I wasn't as shocked when I first heard it. It was just like, like I wanted to listen to it over and over and over and over. It was you could never get enough of it. Like, so I think to me, albums like that, as as I've kind of figured out over the years, it's like albums like that are really withstand the test of time. It's like they real? It it's it draws you in. It sucks you in. And then once you start to get to know it it's like you hear more things and more things and more hooks and more melodies and more drum fills and so i like albums like that like and i and i think the um the, there's a rush connection there cuz they had a little they had a little more like progressive you know progressive uh aspect getting involved there and i and i know they um back in the day they they shared some of the um they had some texts or uh, roadies that were that were from the Rush crew. I guess when Rush wasn't doing stuff, they kind of like they knew the same people. So then, so maybe they were like, you know, maybe they're on the same page like that. I don't know. I've never talked to them about it, but I'm sure because man, that Master is just like to, to me. It's it's the best one. It's their best record. I mean, as great as Aunt Justice is, you know.
2: Yeah, when you look back at that time, Andy, in '86, right, you would have what came out was *Peace Cells*, and then you'd *Rain in Blood*, and then you had you had Master of Puppets*, and then in '87 you had *Among the Living*. Like, so four of the big four had mostly their what people say is probably their pivotal albums that came out then. Did you think at the time that were Metallica going to be the leaders of that scene, like the way they blew up for the *Black Album*? Even back in '86, did you think that they were going to be as big?
0: I didn't know. I didn't know that. I I don't think we... I I, I think we all knew that they were the... They were the... They were the the forefront of the whole thing, of the whole movement and stuff. Even though with, you know... I know Mustaine, he wrote a bunch of stuff on Ride the Lightning and everything too, but um, they were just like... They were just a a machine, man. They were... um, they were just ahead of everybody. I don't know what it was. Um, maybe, maybe because they, um, it went to Europe more first than anyone else that they, um, cause I know, um, from all the uh, magazines that we read, it was just like Europe loved them. And it was like, that's what, um, metal was waiting for is that, uh, the new, you know, the new, the new leaders and, they definitely were the, were the leaders of the whole movement. And, um, and everyone was like, everyone was, uh, uh, following their lead, you know, cause I know, I cells and everyone, we had uh rain and blood. We had the, uh, terrible 10th generation tapes before the album came out. We were listening to that, like, like to death before it came out. but, Man, it's Master, Master of Puppets was like, it blew the doors over everyone and it, and it blew, it blew open doors for all the other bands too. So, um, but I, to us, to us, they were already huge. Like when we heard, when we heard Kill Em Em All, we were like, oh man, this is it. You know, these guys are the, we wanted to, we wanted to, all we wanted to do is be like them and, you know, sell out the stone you know, five hundred, six hundred seater or whatever. I mean, back then we thought about Dude, that's the top that you could get and then, you know, then they come around with Ozzy at the Cow Palace. It was just like, Oh shit. This is like you know, that's that's when, when they played the they played Day on the Green for for Master and then they blew everyone off the stage and then we just knew it was like, oh man, the they're headed to the cow palace or whatever, you know, I we thought they were going to just headline like themselves, but then they came with Ozzy. So it's like, even it's an even, it's like, you know, if Ozzy took you out back then, it was like, you're going, you're going, you know, you're, you're going to headline the next time around. I mean, that was the, that was like the the next uh, gradual steps towards, you know, dominating the world. But, I mean, we—it's kind of like you know the old saying of when you, it's your favorite band and then all of a sudden they get popular and then everyone's listening to them and then you're like, hey, hey, wait a minute, you know, that's our band. But how come all the jocks and all these preppies and everyone's playing, you know, "And Justice for All"? Now it was "And Justice" that that really happened, but you know, I mean, it's, it's inevitable. They were just—they were just. A two ahead of their time to not, you know, to not get that huge. But the Black Album was like, that was a, like they just crushed everybody. I mean, like, they crossed over to everything. But you know, right? Yeah, it's it's weird because since since we were there, you know, we've been following them since the beginning. It's kind of like once once your whole school's like starting to crank your your favorite band's music like in their trucks and cars and stuff, you're like, What? You didn't hear that you didn't play them like six months ago, you know, or a year ago or two years ago. We've been playing this is our this is our favorite band and then now everybody's like into it. It's it's strange, but you know, that's just that's the way it goes. That's the way the ball bounces. Yeah. Yeah. It was you know, it's great though. I mean, um popularity is not a bad
1: thing nope no. <laughs> definitely not and yeah and I you kind of touched on you know what I was wondering about was you know when they when those guys came back and they did day on the green that that was probably pretty much kind of like the you know local boys done good at that point of uh, and I would imagine that you know all, all that time of seeing him like at Stone and Ruthies and all that 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 now to see him on day of the green and with that bill and stuff was probably just pretty mind blowing for those of you who were just with those guys for all that time
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was just crazy. But um, we weren't there. We were on. I mean, I think we were in Europe. and We were we we're coming back. We were trying to. We were hoping we would make it, but we didn't make it. But then um, then the next one was with Ozzy But but I remember um, I remember the first their first gig. It was two nights at the Cow Palace, which is like eleven or twelve thousand seater and it was for Anjustice, and uh, and we were standing it towards the back with Jim Martin of Faith No More and then um uh we were just waiting for the, the intro to the um Black End to start and um he just turned to us and he's like This is a monumental event <laughs> 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 we were, like, we we're like, Yeah it is oh, this is crazy and because of course we came the second night again and you know witnessed the whole thing again so that was that was a real um real like game changer for sure because yeah. it was like dude now look at all these people like it used to be like glam they used to only have glam you know rat or whatever or like or like black status with dio bands like, like like that at the cow Palace and then once one of our, you know, thrash metalers is headlining this place, it was like, dude, have <laughs> yeah. reached it, man, <laughs> big time.
1: Yeah, that must have been pretty awesome too to figure that you know you guys had seen them over the years and you know smaller places, and you're playing ecstasy of Gold and right into the you know the first song. But, yeah, I mean, to to actually get to hear that, like, pump through a huge PA in the Cow Palace, and, and, and I could just exactly see why Jim would say that. Just just you saying that, knowing how, like, I feel every time I go to a Metallica show and, and hear that, to have you guys have that experience must have been insane. And I kind of, like, just got chills when you were talking about it.
0: Oh, wow, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, because, you know, we're all fans of music. Every musician that really loves music is as a fan so and you know you always have to and i think you explore different styles and stuff but you always have your your go-to you know 10 12 whatever records that when you when you want to get inspired you know which ones to pull out and master is definitely right there yeah man at the top of the list
1: so you know, I know that um, that you've had, you know, you've got a lot of other influences to your playing, and that you never were just solely that thrash metal drummer. So that kind of, to me, puts you a lot in the same kind of thing as as Cliff with his classical influences and jazz and things too. And did yeah. you ever t- hang out with with Cliff and talk about other styles of music? Ever get a chance to do that?
0: You know, unfortunately, no, I never got um, that close with him because. Um, it was too much of a party atmosphere. Mm. It was too, you know, I mean, we never really discussed music like that too much, but, um, I know, I know he like lo- he loved the ultraviolence. He loved the instrumental. He loved the long instrumental and the, um, the, just like the, the balls out, like, fuck you. Just, you know, we're not going to do a regular, um, uh, regular arrangement. I know he loved to be, he loved that, the different um, the different aspects. I know he loved Leonard Skinner and Finn Lizzie and all the classical, a lot of that classical vibe that, you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of missing from their other albums that he's not on. And, you know, that's a direct, you know, sign of, you know, of the origin of the ideas, mm. but, yeah, we were just partying too much. <laughs> and you know, I was glad to just, you know, be drinking beers with Cliff and just like talking you know. We talk music but not like intricate like that. Like yeah. just like a lot of bands and whose album was out and you know, like you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Where's the beer? Always <laughs> where's the <this> beer that's <laughs>
1: You know, obviously being in the area, did you ever have a chance to check out any of the the new tunes before they recorded them? You know, as far as hanging out on Carson Boulevard, do you ever, ever get a chance to get a preview of stuff?
0: Well, we went to the, uh, when they were, what were they? Did they kill 'em all? Mm hmm. Or, I think they played the, Ma- the Mabuhai Gardens, like, before, um, before the album came out. One of the albums came out, and, and, um, they played some new songs and, you know, I mean, it was a blur cause it was just like, like you said, you know, when you're at, when, I mean, imagine a little tiny club, it's just jam packed like sardines. It's hot and sweaty and nasty and they're just like fucking killing it. So it's like, we were, we were, I mean, we were young, so we were in the pit all the time. Mm-hmm. We were you know, slamming, stage diving, all that stuff, so yeah, it's, um, I never really got to really dissect the the new songs, like, we saw them play, like, as spastic children a bunch of times, but that's just more fun, you know, that was just, like, fun, that was great fun, but, yeah, we didn't, um, I never went to the, the, um, El Cerrito, Mm -hmm. I never went to the Metallica Mansion, but, like, we were always at like whenever there was a show at Ruthie's or Keystone Berkeley or whatever, there was always an after party, and that's where everyone was always at. You know, like well, not everyone, but most. You know, Baylof, James, Cliff. Yeah, I know that.
1: Uh, I know that. You know, uh, my buddy Bill Hales got a lot of great photos of, uh, of you guys hanging out, and then also, you know, the the one that uh, that Harold and Brian put out a few years ago, their murder in the front row. I'm looking through that. And I'm just thinking, what a great scene you guys had up in San Francisco. I mean, here in Boston, all the, all the bands didn't hang out with each other, like, at all. It was pretty much, you just kind of, you did this show, you packed up, you got the hell out of the club. But we never really had that thing. And I, I'm looking there, and I was just, I was jealous looking through all those pictures of, of all, those, all the bands, like, hanging out, checking each other's shows, hanging out between shows and everything. And uh, but you look at that, and I think, what an amazing scene you guys had in San Francisco back there.
0: Yeah, man, you know... Um... Over the years, uh, a lot of people have said the same exact thing, and it's only in retrospect when you like think about it. And and like you said, the murder in the front row book when they when um, Brian sent me one because like, cause they said they were having a signing and this and that, like the grand the premiere, and you know everyone's busy. And, and then and then all of a sudden, I started hearing like people like, "Hey, man." you guys are all in this book. And I was like, Oh, I thought it was just like Exodus and Metallica. And he's like, no, it's like everyone. And you know, um, I, yeah, I got to thank those guys because they're really, um, you know, that, that helps to keep it alive. And, um, I, I have to, um, give major props and thanks to Debbie Abono. Mm. Um, because without her, I mean, our whole scene wouldn't be like that. She was, um, she was so kind to everyone. She she would help any band out. She um, she was uh, one of the f- uh, foremost people to, to get the bands to play together. A lot of the times, you know, even though we were friends and stuff, you know, of course there was always all, oh, we want a headline. No, we want to do it. Uh, we wanna, I ain't going to open before these. you know. And it's <laughs> just like, dude, you want to play a fucking packed show or do you want to play by yourself with, you know, I mean, she was smart. She was the business, the savvy. She had business savvy, and she also was like the, the, the maternal figure mm-hmm. for all of us because we were just, you know, a bunch of reckless fucking psychos, and you know, all we wanted to do was play music. That you know, and she really helped for, uh, to for us to be able to do that. Like, I mean, she didn't, you know. Pay our rent and all that, or nothing. But you know, um, she would have parties and barbecues, and she would always like. She had the unity vibe, so it was always like you know, even if you didn't like the other band or whatever, it's like, well, so what? You know, it's cool. You know, we're cool. We can we can eat together. We can play together. You know, and then at the end of the day, it's like, uh, you know, the little the beef that everyone had was like, I mean, so minor. I mean, it's like you know. Petty, petty shit, but that's how it, um, that's how it beat with electric though because we were friends but we we're also like rivals in a sense because you know this, these guys got signs, and these guys got their record out and you're recording and then these guys are on tour so it's like everyone's like keeping track of everyone else you know because everyone wants to you know be uh, vital in the in the scene it's not it's not like anyone wanted to be number one because the metallica already led the way but everyone was like there was a big wake and everyone was like you know running in line right together so yeah some of those shows were just like really violent (laughs) 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 but you know hey that's uh that's really what we were i mean that was kind of the name of the game like because there was tons of bands that never made it or never got heard of and um if they were, came from a different city i'm sure they would have gotten signed but just because they were in the bay you know mm-hmm. like you got to take a number man because there's like all these there's all these other hungry wicked thrashers just like just one step ahead of you and you know yeah you gotta It was. yeah it was man it was a great time though it yeah. was great and and then once we started to like like when you when you play different cities like together then it's like oh it's like their crowd let's win them over you know then it was like that it's like but, but we're we would all hang out backstage because like we didn't know anybody else but <laughs> so we knew each other. So it's just like, you know it was oh man, it was great yeah.
1: Great challenge, man. And and it's still amazing too that all those bands are still pretty much, you know, all friends with each other and you, you see people pop up on each other's albums or pop up at each other's shows, even you know, even thirty years later that you still have like this this bond between between a lot of the bands, which I don't think really Exist anywhere else either, so that's that's also pretty pretty cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's man, um, the Rob Flynn birthday bash that we just did um, a couple months ago, man. There, it brought so many people together, and um, I think Rob, because Rob, uh, you know, like everyone, he loved Debbie, and he's he sees like how how the scene kind of, you know, we we don't have as many shows or events that to get together, like, you know, Testament sometimes they they played at shoreline with Judas priest and motorhead and everyone was there, but you know, kind of few and far between. So when he had that, it was, man, so many people came out, Even so many people got involved to play songs and even just to, and so many other people came and, um, just to support, and you know, even if they didn't play or whatnot. But man, it was like, yeah, rancid guys. Yeah, you know, you got Da guys. You got man, like Forbidden dude, and Bo staff, and Slayer, and just like, just everyone. Like, and you know, um, and it's like, you know, it was uh, it's for his birthday, so it's not like anyone's getting paid or like, you know, right. trying to. But, you know, and that's not the point of it, but, you know, like, some guys had to come from Santa Cruz. Some guys had to come from farther up north. Guys came out from all over the place. Some guy, you know, some guys just got off tour, like, two days, two days ago, and then it just comes in and rehearses at the second sound check, and, okay. Go for it. Oh, man, it was, it was so much fun. But, you know, the rehearsals are... rehearsals are a blast too because you really get to know know people like I I hung out with Dave McClain the most I ever hung out with him you know because you know you see him on tour it's just like hey what's up bro you know not that much time but at the rehearsals it was just like so cool just you know we're all we're all the same because We've all been doing it forever, and we respect each other. And you know, it's just a mutual respect. And even the guys that you had a beef with a million years ago, you just like, oh, you know, on Facebook, what's up, oh, man? You know, how's it going? You know, I, you know <laughs> that's just water under the bridge. You know, yeah, man, it it is. It's um, because we didn't go to college, so that's kind of like that was our university. Sure. So, you know, that's yeah. our our high school and. <laughs> All, everything our whole year because we didn't we didn't go to school
2: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> we wanted all we wanted to do was play music and you know that's what it takes sure really I mean you know I mean um, a little luck and some you know a little savvy and some smarts and that's what you have to do man it's a, it's crazy when you look back on all the, everybody and that, what everyone's been through and stuff and and there's just uh, there's a lot of love in there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of love in the Bay Area for for all the the metal dudes. Yeah. And um, you know because because when we started it um, it wasn't so big, so it was like you're going against the grain. And then at one point it all just it all turned, and then all of a sudden all like there was crowds at your show. Before it's like trying to. Flyer and sell tickets and go to concerts and tell people of your band and then all of a sudden it's just like a few months later it's like dude sold out like every like every band's show is sold out Testament, Forbidden, Da Violence, fucking dude you name it and I was like it was great it was such a great time man yeah yeah and it's it, and it it kind of makes me sad because the state of San Francisco now. It's like ugh. <laughs> all the clubs closed, and it's just like you know,
1: it's I don't know. Yeah, it's, well, um, it's uh, at least the same you war everywhere too. You think about you know, you go back and like the channel where you know Metallica's all their good gear got stolen. Like that's a parking lot now, and like the you know the rats gone. I go I look through all the clubs around that I used to play at, and they're all they're all gone too. It's and it's all like just now. There's like hipster bars and stuff. So yeah, I I hear what you saying. Yeah,
0: it's like that out there too. Oh yeah, uh, dude. It's like SF is inundated with all these people with different area codes, like not from here, and they're just like, <laughs> you think you you think they would like respect the place and like, oh, this is cool or whatever. But it's, it's like a it's it's a really um the dot com generation Mm-hmm. The, it's a no uh, attention span. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. Right. Eight second sound bite. Yep, I hear you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Totally. So,
1: uh, so what have you been up to lately? What are you what are you doing now?
0: Oh, I'm um, I'm working with uh, the Devil in California. It's a heavy. Uh, Southern kind of metal rock band out of San Francisco. We're working on their second record. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been gigging with them. We we went and um, we played out in Sturgis, South Dakota at the uh, the rally out there at the, on the hot Harley Davidson stage at the mm-hmm. rally point. Nice. And um, yeah, they're really, really cool guys. Really great guys. Actually snake green from uh, skin lab is, and he's in the devil in California. And, He's the guy that kind of uh got me in in um he got me aware of that they needed a drummer because I was doing tracks for uh, John Menor, um XDRI mm-hmm. basis. He's got a project called Warman's Dance and he was recording at uh we recorded at Snakes. I did some drum tracks for him. I've been doing recording gigs um um lately. I did um I did Amongst Thieves, their local, and um, Toy Called God and the War Man's Dance in the last, like, maybe, like, eight to ten months. And um, I also play with the Butlers, which they're, like, um, they do heavy rock and hard rock covers. Um, it's Billy Rowe of Jet Boy and Mike Butler of, um, he played in Exodus. Yep, yep. And, and also um, the host
1: of the Rock and Roll Geek Show
0: that's right that's right (laughs) and he fishes (laughs) avid fisherman and um uh Craig Bearhorse of the Ruppians he plays guitar so that's fun that's a fun gig to do yeah I've been doing that and um just um giving drum lessons you know just staying busy staying busy um I got the family so family's doing good but yeah oh man the Devil in California's. Um, the next record's going to be really good, man. It's really, really melodic, real heavy.
1: Cool. All right, Andy. I appreciate you taking a bunch of your time to uh, to talk to us on a Sunday, uh, talking about the old scene in San Francisco and uh, about Master Puppets. And uh, I'm glad I get a hold of somebody that, uh, you know, was right there on the scene in that time. And again, it's super awesome to be able to actually finally talk to you because uh, I was figuring, when the heck would I ever get a chance to talk to Andy? But uh, definitely, yeah, uh, I could check that one off because, like I said, I always wanted to tell you about just how freaking impressed I was with uh, with Act 3. In fact, I was talking to a metal fan the other day, and uh, she goes, you know, what's coming up? And I said, oh, I'm going to be talking to to Andy Galleon on Sunday. And she's like, no freaking way. I'm like, yeah. She's like, Act 3? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, man. <laughs> so she was, like, so jealous I was going to be talking to you. So uh, I'll tell you, your influence They're out there, man. There's lots of people that love your playing. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm super happy to be able to talk to you. And uh, also super happy that all our listeners get to hear your voice once again. And I know you're out there still playing drums and still doing amazing stuff. So, uh, again, I appreciate the heck out of you spending some time with us today to talk to us.
0: Hey, guys, thank you so much. Thanks for the support. And hope to see you out there again on tour again. Awesome. Right on, brothers.
1: All right. Have a good rest of the day, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon, Eddie. Okay. Thank you. All right, man. Bye. Okay. Okay. Later. All right. Big thanks to... Andy V. Galleon for coming on Focus on Metal and uh, giving us his uh, recollection and memory of back in the day in San Francisco. And I had mentioned earlier in the interview about how much I liked Act 3, and I think it's only fitting at this point to uh, why don't we play some classic Death Angel, classic track off of their Act 3 release, and also a track that's got a lot going on with the drums. Of course, I'm talking about that classic Death Angel song, disturbing the peace. there you go a little taste of death angel out of act three one of their classic tracks disturbing the peace so a big thanks to andy galleon for coming on the show this week and uh, talking all about cliff and master of puppets and what san francisco was like back in those days so uh, very cool to have that guy on and we can actually check off the box we finally had somebody from uh, from death angel on the show so as i had mentioned at the beginning of the show the intent originally was to have richie come down and do another front end for this and have a little bit of discussion about the album and uh... you know kind of just our general thoughts about it and all that but uh... as i mentioned Guy got super busy with stuff he needed to do, wasn't able to make it down. Fortunately, we had knocked out the Andy Gallian interview before Richie got busy with stuff. So I, at least we had all the audio together for this show. But in lieu of having a bit of that conversation with Richie, just thought I would uh, relate a bit of a master of puppet story to you. So as any of you uh, long-time listeners knows, at one point I was back on a real terrestrial radio back in the day and uh, I was doing a metal show because, I mean, come on, what else would I be doing, right? I had to do a metal show. So a little metal metal specialty show I used to do back in the 80s on uh, on regular land radio here in Boston. And, uh, you know, I was the only uh, only DJ on the station that was actually playing in any Metallica. In fact, when Ride came out, the uh, program manager just absolutely despised Metallica. This guy was basically, a, you know, hardcore kind of guy, Minutemen, all that kind of stuff. But things like Metallica, he just really hated And he had written all over the album that, you know, don't play this thing, play it, I'm going to beat you, all kinds of crap. Just absolutely hated it, forbid us from playing it, so of course that meant, I'm going to play it. So always got a lot of great response whenever I played anything off of Ride, but, uh, you know, back then... If you, you know, go back revisionist history here that, uh, you know, it wasn't like Electra was spending boatloads of cash to promo the, uh, the latest Metallica album. It was pretty much kind of put it out and uh, let word of mouth carry the day. So I had literally no idea that master of puppets was a due out. So, uh, down in Boston with a couple of my friends and, uh, Couple uh, one of the guys actually uh, went to Emerson, so we're you know hanging out for the night down in Boston, hanging out in his dorm room in Emerson, uh, which is kind of a you know an arts kind of college and stuff. A lot of good Muso guys there, and uh, so the one guy was just losing his mind that night, just all hyped up, and uh, went out, came back, and uh, he was knocked on the door. He came in, and he's showing this album, and it was like wow, wow, new Metallica, and uh, you know I asked him you know you, you know anything about it yet? He's like no, 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 I just know new Metallica, and so he comes running out and uh next thing you know, we just hear just music. We hear battery just in our ear holes, just blasting. The guy had gone back to his dorm room, hooked up his stereo to a PA system, and he was just blasting master just throughout the whole dorm. So we were up like three or four floors up. You could hear it all the way down in the lobby and you could hear it outside in the street. It was pretty awesome to you know, first exposure to uh to battery was through a PA system just freaking blasting and uh, you know people just started gathering on that floor just listening to this and uh, it was really kind of amazing the number of people down there that were actually into Metallica as opposed to you know 30 miles north of Boston where nobody had ever heard of the band at all so that was really my, my first memory of hearing Master of Puppets was that way so pretty cool thing stuck with me all these years and uh you know even after the uh, massive party of the evening we just kept playing that album over and over and over again and you know just that iteration up from ride the lightning and you know just a bunch of metalheads just like comparing and people that hated it and people that loved it and and the arguments and all that and kind of almost almost that whole discussion thing that this whole show is built around is that little microcosm of that that happened that night but just Just absolutely just amazing, uh, amazing way to actually hear that thing for the first time. And of course, you know, you're hearing it stereo through PA and not like it was the greatest PA. So I almost almost had like a little bit of a live feel there. So I guess that is a wrap for our 300th show celebration here. I thought, again, good, good idea from Richie to actually do this one celebrate master of puppets and at the same time celebrate our 300th again i'm still kind of fuzzy on how 300 is such a such a big deal in the netcast universe uh, no idea but uh anyways i'm just going with it this time screw it uh so there it is 300 took us two episodes to do 300 i i don't know what the hell that means must be something there but anyways there it is done so uh, what's coming up next week? I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. It was kind of weird. You know, we watched kind of the, the audio we had in the can shrink down and shrink down. And Richie was asking me, well, what would have got left? And I tell him a few things and he's like, okay. And you know, we, we, you know, no problem. And all of a sudden just out of nowhere, just getting an interview request left and right and center. And, uh, so over the last few weeks, we've done a whole bunch of interviews, stuff that Richie and I did, uh, as well as stuff that uh, that I just did myself as well. Just So all of a sudden, we are just flush with audio again and lots of great stuff to choose from. But if I would have to guess right now, I'm really leaning towards uh, featuring an interview I just did last week with Joey Vera, as we talk about Armored Saint, as well as uh, stuff that he's doing with Fate's Warning. And of course, one of the uh, the prime things we were talking about is that if you live under a rock and you don't know it yet, Armored Saint is doing a great campaign with Pledge Music to uh, put out their brand new live album. Can you believe that in all the career that Armored Saints have, they've only ever put out one other live album back in 1989? And that one there, you know, they didn't really get it right the first time, so they had to reissue it in 2009 with a lot of the other tracks. People were like, hey, how come this isn't on the album? But the way I see it, anytime you can get new Saint, whether it's live stuff or new tunes, it's good to me. No, it hasn't been named yet. Uh, they're still uh, putting a poll out and seeing uh, what they were going to end up calling it. But anyways, they got that going on at Pledge Music. Lots of cool stuff to be had. You can go to pledgemusic.com and search for Armored Saint and... Uh, get in on the action I think you'll be very happy that you did and if this little uh, blurb here doesn't convince you then uh definitely I think probably next week I'll run that thing with Joey and I don't know something else too because that was a quickie maybe like 20 30 minutes that uh, I had with Joey that night so uh probably have some other things on the agenda as well I guess some of that would depend also is whether or not uh, Richie can make it down here for a little bit of discussion as well so hope that happens and uh see what happens next week and also because uh just gotta say it again if you haven't done so please go out and pick up the uh next issue of inside metal and that is uh the la metal scene explodes part two that is out it's a great one i'm trying to arrange now to have carl come on the show and talk to us about that we had bob on a couple times and bob said hey what do you guys have carl on instead this time you talk to me all the time and uh So, uh, you know, I'm thinking uh, maybe we'll do that. We'll have Carl come on, talk about that. But in the meantime, really go out and get that one. Get part one as well. And uh, also just wait impatiently for the rest of us for uh, for the third segment of Bob's trilogy when he talks all about the L.A. thrash scene. So that is a wrap. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. As I always say, you can keep up with us at FocusOnMetal.net. Focus on metal.blogspot.com. We put all of our show notes and all that good stuff. And like everybody else in the freaking world, we're also on Facebook and on Twitter. And yes, I know lots of people mentioning on Twitter when are we going to do the next damn Saxon episode. I know we are extremely late in that. I think what we t- it takes us about a uh, six to eight months between Saxon episodes. But uh, you know, Richie is hell bent on doing that. So uh, I know we hear you. It will get done. Promise. But in the meantime, have yourselves a great metal week, and until we talk to you again next week, remember. Focus on Master Master!
0: Everything else is insignificant. Uh...
2: It's over. Go home.